0: Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. It's good to see you this morning. Are you well? Yeah? You are well? Well, if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn them open to uh, Matthew 11. And we're going to start there. Uh, we're going to continue the series about working for the weekend we started a few weeks ago. And today, I want to talk about rest for your soul. Amen. Rest for your soul. So let's look at Matthew eleven, twenty-eight 28 through 30. This is the words of Jesus speaking. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So today I want to talk about rest for your soul. Now we've been talking about work on Sunday mornings the past several weeks, but I want to kind of switch gears, and I want to talk about rest for a few weeks at church Because work and rest go together. That's the way God designed us. God designed us to work and to be a hard worker, to be a diligent worker, and to produce and to create and to uh, have dominion on this earth. But he also uh, created us that we could rest. So I want to talk about rest this morning and the next several weeks. Now, as we get into this, I realize some of the things I'm going to say today you probably never heard me say. And you probably never heard pastors say. At least the pastors you listen to say. So I want you to to be with me. Don't don't leave me hanging out to dry this morning when I start talking about rest. Because I'm probably going to push on some areas in your life that you got to say, yeah, that's me. Because when I started studying this and getting into this, I was guilty of everything they talked about when it pertained to rest. So. Uh, in Genesis, we, we started this the past several weeks. We started here that God gave us a pattern in Genesis on how we should live. God said in, in Genesis that he worked six days And then he rested. But he gave Adam that same rhythm, that same pattern, that Adam and Eve would live that way. They would work hard for for six days, and then they would rest on the seventh. And there was this work, rest, balance. Now, most of you in here, we've been talking about work for several weeks. And, of course, uh, it's kind of funny. A few weeks ago, when I talked about calling, you guys remember when I talked about calling and finding your call? Literally, so many people came up to me, and they're like, they were joking, but they said, all I got out of that message was, pastor, I need to quit my job. I was like, no, that's not exactly what I said. But uh, if the Lord tells you to quit your job and get into the right calling, I'm all for that. But the Lord needs to tell you, I did not say that. Because guess what? If you all quit your job next week, there'll be no and offerings at Church on the Rock. Hello, somebody. We want to keep the doors open, so don't quit your job, unless God tells you to. But So several weeks ago, I talked about calling, and all you wanted to quit your job after that. So we we talked about work, and we talked about uh, finding your calling and working hard and being diligent, and I agree with that, but let's be honest. Most of you, because you are Americans, and you're stubborn, and you're prideful, and that's why you're Americans, we have a problem in this country, and most of them, most of us, it's not being lazy, it's overworking. It's being too busy, it's being too hurried, it's not resting, and most Americans, and this is, you know, uh, common knowledge that more people, especially the past two to three years, have said they are exhausted, they're overworked, they're too busy, and they're burned out. So, I would say probably most of you feel the same way. That's why I need to talk about rest, because you're probably doing pretty good at the work part, but you're probably doing pretty bad at the rest part. Now, I'm the same way, so that's why I'm talking about this today. So let's talk about how did I get to this place to even talk about this on a Sunday morning. First of all, because I'm guilty as charged. (laughs) It started several years ago. And I'm going to mention a pastor that I really respect and honor. His name is John Mark Comer. Uh, He pastors a church in Portland, Oregon called Bridgetown Church. And I started listening to him several years ago. And he's a young pastor. And I started listening to him because I really liked the way he preached. But he was preaching in Portland, Oregon. So it's a very secular city. And I like listening to people who know how to preach to unchurched people. I like listening to people that know how to talk to the skeptical person or the atheist or, you know, the people that are not from a church background. I like listening to that because whether you want to admit it or not, our country is becoming that. So unless pastors and preachers and churches adapt to that, they're going to keep preaching to church people that have already been saved since they've been born. And they're never going to reach anybody outside the four walls of the church because they don't know how to talk to them. So I like listening to preachers like that. Maybe you don't. It's okay. But I do. So he started talking about these things when I would listen to his podcast several, several years ago. And he started talking about stuff like rest and living a life that's not hurried. And he started using words like Sabbath. And I'm like, I know that's in the Bible. I know God told us to take a Sabbath, but I've never even taken a Sabbath in my whole entire life. I don't even know what that is. He started using words like. You need to have a, a rhythm and a, and a balance in your life, and you need to rest, and you need to live unhurried. And I was like, this sounds like what I need, but I've never heard anybody talk about it. Then once he got into it, I realized it's all over your Bible, and nobody ever mentions it. Nobody ever mentions it. Uh, and also, the past 2,000 years of church history, all of the people that came before us practiced this. They they practiced uh a sabbath they they practice living unhurried they practice resting and having this balance it's us modern christians that don't practice it and it's hurting us but this is not a this is not a thing that's that's not been around it's actually been around since the beginning of the church that 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 we should talk about rest and sabbath and living an unhurried life so he wrote a book called the ruthless elimination of hurry and some of you guys Have probably heard of that book before. It's right here. I brought it to show you. Now, I don't recommend books all the time, but if you can, I would recommend getting this book because this has everything to do with what I'm talking about today. And I got a lot of what I've said from him because he's done an outstanding job of explaining this. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And so I would encourage you to get that, but I want to share some of the things I've learned from him and other leaders in my life on rest today in the next several weeks, if that's okay with you. Would you guys like to know that? Could y'all use some rest in your life? Anybody in here could use some rest? Yeah. So he started talking about this several years ago. and, And when he was preaching the whole time, my spirit man was saying, yep, yep, yep. That's you. That's you. That's your issue. You need these messages. But guess what? My mind and my body was fighting that. And it was saying, no, no, you don't need rest because you got to do the work of the Lord and you can't slow down and you can't stop and you can't take a vacation because what's going to happen to the church? It's quiet in this Methodist church this morning. But y'all feel the same way about your own life. What am I going to do if I slow down and take a rest? What's going to happen with my family? What's going to happen with my job? What's going to happen with my kids? If I actually do what the Bible tells me to do and actually put rest into my life, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Am I, I going to have enough money? Am my kids going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? What's going to happen? Guess what? It's going to be okay. Why? Because you're not God. And when we rest, guess what? God is still moving. God is still working. The, you know, the the... The world does not stop spinning just because you took a day off. Still keeps going. Sun keeps shining. Oxygen's still in the air. Why? Because you are not God. And we all need this in our life. But I had to go on this journey, and I'm still on this journey to put rest and living an unhurried life in my life as a 36-year-old pastor. Because I haven't done that my whole life. But I know if I need it, you guys need it. And it's a very biblical idea and concept. And like I said, most of church history, the Christians before us practiced this and they lived a different life than most of us live today. When when he started talking about stuff like rest and slowing down, having a rhythm and putting boundaries in your life, I was like, what the heck is any of that? I have never lived with a boundary a day in my life. I've never lived a day slowing down or resting i've been wired hot since the day i was born i've been moving now back when i was younger they really didn't have much medication to calm people down but i probably needed some because i've been moving quick my whole life but this is what i realized and this is why i needed this and this is why we're going to talk about it today several years ago and you guys have heard some of my story um in my late twenties, early thirties, I started having panic attacks, anxiety, depression. I, my physical health started declining. I started having all sorts of physical issues with my heart, with my, with my, uh, my with my head, with my body, with my joints. Um, it was one thing after another, and I was thinking, "Well, I'm young. Why am I having these issues? Why I shouldn't have these issues?" But. Looking back at it now, and how many know if you go through something, don't just go through it and not analyze why that happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, so many people go through stuff and they never actually ask questions, like, why did that happen? What was the cause of it? And how can I avoid this in the future? Like, people don't ask those questions, and that's why they repeat the same thing over and over and over again. And so, when I was going through that, because I was a young man, I was thinking, well, I'm young. You know, I can do this. I can keep this pace. I can run this hard. I I can do this. I don't need to take a vacation. I don't need to take a rest. I don't need to take a break. I'm a young man. I can do this. But then my body said, you can't do this. And my mind said, you can't do this. And that's what happens. If you don't take a break, you will break. If you don't rest, your body and your mind will eventually make you rest, whether you want to or not. And usually what happens is people have a breakdown. They have a mental breakdown or they have a physical breakdown or they get burnt out. And that's what happened to me. I started having panic attacks out of nowhere. I started uh, uh, experiencing anxiety and depression. My physical health started declining because I was running that fast and didn't slow down. Now, is this hitting a little bit too close to home? Is that why you're so quiet? And what was my excuse? I'm doing the work of the Lord. I'm doing the work of the Lord. I can't stop. In my early 20s and my 30s, I can't stop. I'm doing the work of the Lord. And back then, I used to be out every night of the week, eating with people from church, getting coffee with people, taking people's phone calls every day of my life, morning, noon, and night. Why? Because I want to help people. But I lived that way for year after year after year after year after year. And guess what happened? If you don't take a break, you will break. And I did at an early age. Isn't it good I just got it out of my system, guys, as your pastor, right? I just, I just burned out at a very young age. So I don't have to do this later on in life because hopefully I've learned my lesson, right? I experienced it in my late 20s and early 30s. I don't have to experience it later on in life because hopefully I will learn something through this. And come out the other side. And that's what I have learned. And I'm trying to share that with you today. Because I don't want it to happen to you either. But because of that I went on this journey. And so when I started hearing preachers and pastors talk about rest and slowing down and boundaries. I was just like I know I need that. And God was saying that's part of the issues that started this. Because you were running for a long time. And you thought you could do it because you were young. But eventually You will break. Whether you do that spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, you will break. And for all you in here who think you're tough and you're strong and you can do it, the illusion is that you can do it because you can get away with it for a while. But eventually, you will break. Then you have to go to the doctor. Then you have to get on medication. Then you have to figure it out. But how many of you know prevention is better Than having a major life crisis and melting down. Prevention is better than having a heart attack. Prevention is better than, than, than having panic attacks. Prevention is better than, than you burning out spiritually. Prevention is better. And you can if you put these uh, things we're going to talk about today in your life about rest. So as your pastor, hopefully I have learned my lesson. And I'm still trying to learn that lesson. I told you, I'm going to talk differently than I normally talk today, just because I I got a lot I want to share with you, because I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. You can only run that way for so long, and then your body, your mind, and your spirit will tell you, you got to stop. So today we want to talk about rest, and this is just the first of many messages on rest. We're going to talk about, but we're going to start with this idea of hurry before we go into uh, talking about the aspect of Sabbath and rest, because how many of you know you need to slow down before you stop? So we're going to talk about slowing down today. We're going to talk about hurry, and this is where this idea came from, and I'm going to quote from uh, John Mark Comer's book. He was talking to one of his uh, spiritual leaders, it's a man by the name of Dallas Willard. Some of you have heard this, who this man is. He was a great a Christian writer and thinker. And as an older man, he was asked what the greatest enemy of spiritual life is in the world today. And he said, and this is where the book title came from, hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. Therefore, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Went on to say, most people are just too busy to live an emotionally healthy, spiritually rich life. Let me repeat that again. Most people are too busy to live an emotionally healthy and a spiritually rich life. And it's true. Now, they went on and they did a study. This was from an American university. They did a study of 20,000 Christians. And they said, what is the number one reason why you are not progressing spiritually or why you feel like you can't uh, be spiritually healthy or emotionally healthy? The number one reason out of 20,000 Christians that were surveyed said, I'm too busy. Overworked, in a hurry, too busy. So it confirms this quote by Dallas Willard that says, hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life. And most people I know are the same way. When you, when you ask them about reading the Bible, they go, well, I just feel like I'm too busy to read the Bible. And, I, and I'm too busy to pray. And I'm too busy to come to church. And I'm, I'm too busy to serve in the back, Pastor. And I'm too, I'm too busy to be in a life group because I've got a lot going on, Pastor. I'm an important person. I'm too busy. Dallas Willard said, hurry, busyness is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in the modern day. And all of us live this way. All of us run this way. This is the pace of modern life. And guess what? The pace of modern life is unsustainable. We can't keep living this way and running this way and doing this as a human but especially as a follower of Jesus because it will be the greatest enemy to our spiritual life. We will not grow spiritually. We will not become the person we're called to be in God. We will not be spiritually healthy or even emotionally healthy if we stay running this busy and this hurried. Here's another quote I want to read to you. And this was from uh, Corrie Ten Boom. Some of you know who she was. She was a, a Dutch Christian who helped a uh, rescue uh, jewish people in world war ii and she said this and you'll like this if the devil can't make you sin he'll make you busy hold on hold on it gets better there's truth in that why because both sin and busyness have the exact same effect they cut you off from your connection to god to other people and even to your own soul And I would say that's the same thing for most of us in here. I'm not concerned for most of you in here that you guys are just out at the strip clubs on Saturday night. <laughs> now, if you were, you're welcome here, and I love you. But most of you, that's not the case. I'm not, I'm not concerned that you guys are out there just getting hammered drunk on the weekends. That's not, that's not your case. And I'm not concerned that you're, you're off in some weird, just deep, nasty sin. But y'all think you're good because of that. So the issue is not the sin that's holding us back from spiritual growth and spiritual health and emotional health. It's the busyness. He said if the devil cannot get you to sin, he'll just make you so busy, so distracted, so overworked that you won't have time for God. You won't have time for church. You won't have time for your spiritual health. You won't have time for the relationships that you need in your life. You won't even have time to see how your own soul is even doing. Why? Because you're moving too quick. I know I'm teaching more than preaching today, but stay with me. So we have to look at ourselves and realize most of us are too busy. And that's the excuse I use as the pastor. Pastor. The devil wasn't getting me into sin, but he was sure keeping me busy with all sorts of of stuff to do. And it's the work of the Lord. And that's a good thing, but we all make that excuse. But, you know, doing the work of the Lord is not the same as being with the Lord. Y'all here this morning? I'm going to say amen to the people on live stream. Go ahead and type that in the comments. Say amen. It's not the same. You're just being busy and, and, and overloading yourself and overworking yourself. And you're saying, well, I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm doing it for the Lord. But are you actually connecting with the Lord? Because you're not going to be spiritually healthy unless you're actually connecting with the Lord. And you know what you got to do to do that? you got to slow down. you got to slow down to pray. If you're going to get anything out of it, you got to slow down to read your Bible. If you're going to get anything out of it, you got to slow down even to come to church and listen. Because some of you right now, as I'm talking, your brain is going a million miles a second and you're thinking about work tomorrow and you're thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch and you're going to think about how you got to mow your grass this afternoon. Guess what that's telling me? You need to slow down. And you're not able to connect even at church. Why? Because you're in too much of a hurry. Hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in the modern day. Too busy. And as the old saying goes, if you're too busy for God, brother, you're too busy. If you're too busy for God, sister, you're too busy. Yeah. Now, if being hurried in the modern day or, or in a rush, being busy and overworked is the problem, what are some of the symptoms? So let's talk about this. Now, when we read these, trust me, most of these you're going to feel like, I was with you yesterday following you with a camera. Because when I first got this list and was reading the list of maybe these are the symptoms of you being in a hurry, I was like, ouch, 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 ouch. This is my everyday life. But it should not be this way. But this is the average modern human's life. It's at such a great speed that these are the symptoms of a hurried life. Now, before we get into this, We all know this. When you're rushed and in a hurry and busy, you are not the best version of yourself. And guess what? Most of us live that way 24-7. No amens? No, y'all do. Y'all do live that way. Let me just confirm that with you. You do. Let's ask your husband, ask your wife, ask your kids. They will say, mom and dad seem stressed. My husband seems overworked and busy. Yes, we all are that way. And we all know we are not the best version of ourselves now now, let me tell you a joke in here because you guys are are acting a little too too stuffy, but we used to joke with my mom now my mom's in heaven, and she would appreciate this joke because she was a joker. Um, she would appreciate this. we would always joke about Mom because we know there was two times in in The year that you don't want to mess with mom because she would be busy and hurried and overworked. And she was not the best version of herself. You want to know what those two situations are? If we're about to take a trip and it's tax season. (laughs) And you know why she wasn't the best version of herself and she was a little on edge? Because she was in a hurry. She was overworked. She was too busy. And it's the same thing for us. When y'all are rushing around, you are not nice people. You are not the loving person you were called to be in Christ. You're honking at people. You're yelling at people. You're short with your kids. You definitely ain't getting in your Bible. Why? Because hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in the modern world. And it's not like we just live that way like every once in a while. All of us usually live that way 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. That's normal, that's, that's what we all do, that's average, and that's what we all live like, and that's the reality of it. So, what are the symptoms of a hurried life? Alright, you ready for this? There's ten of them. So, if you meet most of these, you're probably in this category. These are the symptoms of a hurried life. Irritability. If you're always irritated at everyone, and there's not necessarily a good reason you can pinpoint your finger at... You're probably because you're living hurried and you have no rest in your life. About this hypersensitivity. We're going to go off. We're going to go to the next one real quick on that one because I don't want to talk about that. Because I'm hypersensitive right now. Here's another one. Restlessness. Oh, I live this way all the time. Anytime I try to take a vacation or a trip, I cannot do it. Why? Because I'm living hurried. So if you try to rest and you're restless and you're, you're, you're pacing and you're walking around the coffee table and on vacation you're thinking about work, you're probably living too hurried. Restlessness. And, and I'm this way all the time and people that know me know I'm that way. I'm always going. That's not good. That's not good. Restlessness. Here's a few others. Here's another symptom of hurried life. And this is This is your typical American, workaholism. They're addicted to their work. They can never take a break. They can never take a vacation. They got to keep working. Now, it's great to have a good work ethic. I'm not saying it's not. I want you to work hard. I should work hard. You should work hard. We get that. But if you can't shut it off seven days a week, you got a problem. And you are living a hurried life, and you will not be able to sustain that forever. Emotional numbness. That means you don't really feel up, you don't really feel down, you just feel like, yeah. Most people feel that way. Why? Because you're living too hurried. Your soul can't even catch up with how quick you're going. So your emotions are numb. You have out of order priorities. Here's a big one for most Americans because we live so hurried, lack of care for your body. You don't sleep. Or if you do sleep, you sleep very little. You're overhurried. That's not healthy. Because you're so busy and hurried, you don't take time to exercise for your body. Instead of eating healthy foods, why? Because you're in a hurry. You eat junk food all the time. Lack of care for the body is a symptom of a hurried life. Here's another one. When you're always in a hurry, you choose escapist behaviors overeating, over drinking, binge watching shows, browsing social media for hours, porn, drugs. A lot of times we do that. Why? Because we're in so much of a hurry, our soul is not in the right place, so we're looking for something to quickly fill it. Can I go a little further? Y'all, you're making this feel like a funeral today. You know what it is? It's a funeral to your old life today. Let's say that. Because you're going to start a new day tomorrow. Okay. I know, I know when I'm preaching like this, it's hitting a little too close to home. Why? Because when I was reading this book, I wanted to, I wanted to throw something at John Mark Comer. I'm like, has this man been following me around? Literally. And I sent this to Morgan the other day. On one of these points, he literally said, some of y'all are overeating Five Guys burgers and fries. I said, this man, what, what is going Is the Lord trying to take me by the hand and shake me up or something? Of all, of all food choices, he could do the one that me and dad keep door dashing lately. I'm like, I'm like John Mark Comer and the Lord are trying to get me in this book. When he was talking about escapist behavior, he said, some of y'all are eating too much five guys' burgers and fries. I'm like, my God, I am. I'm trying to escape. Do burgers and fries from five guys. But how many know it's not healthy to do that? Slippage of spiritual disciplines. Because you're overtired and you're overworked. Spiritual disciplines that could help you start going by the wayside. So you say, well, I would read my Bible, but I'm too tired. I would pray, but I'm too tired. I would come to church, but I'm too tired. And here's a big one we get. I would come to life group, but I had a big day at work, and I'm too tired. Slippage of spiritual disciplines when we're running too hurried. And lastly, isolation. When we live a hurried life, we live isolated. You feel disconnected from God, and you feel disconnected from others all right you can breathe everybody take a deep breath yeah breathe out breathe out okay can I go a little bit further here all right we're going to get to a good place here but I wanted to lay the groundwork for where we're going today so we're talking about rest but specifically we're talking about living this unhurried life because most of us are living very hurried very busy very overworked so how do we do this so, so the problem is hurry the problem is we're moving way too quick as a, as a country, as a modern human. The speed of life is, is way too quick for all of us. And if we live this way, it will hurt us not just spiritually but emotionally and physically. We need to slow down. So, so that's the problem. And I just listed 10 different symptoms that you might be living in an overly hurried life, which most of those probably, a lot of those pertain to most of us in here, pertain to me. So... How did we even get to this place to live, this hurried, in the modern life? How did we get to this pace of life? Well, it started in 1370 in Germany. The first clock was made by Christian monks. And actually, they made this clock because of a good cause. They wanted to make a clock so they would know what time to pray. But they made the first clock, but... From that time on, the way we viewed time as humans changed. And up to that point, you realize that people went to sleep when it was dark. And they woke up when it was light. And they just went with a rhythm of the sun and the, and the world and with nature. And there was, there was a pace and a rhythm to it. But when they started the clock, it changed our a view and our idea of time. So so now we were on schedules. Now we were on time. And then from that, it went on to Edison. Edison in 1875 uh, made the light bulb. And when he made the light bulb, guess what? That means you can work longer. You can work harder. You can get up when you want. You can go to bed when you want. Why? Because now you got light. That used to not be a thing. And people were way more healthy before the light bulb was created. They said, At the time, now you're going to love this. You wish you could go back to 1875. They said at the time that Edison created the light bulb, people slept 11 hours every night. Can't we go back? But the modern person sleeps six hours or less. Because our idea of time is different. But as we know, other inventions have sped up the pace of life, like vehicles, like fast food, like dishwashers, like thermostats, like email, like smartphones. It's sped up the pace of life to this place that is unsustainable. And it's amazing because all these things were created to save time. Are you with me? But yet, They've proven in research we work more today than we did 100 years ago. We are more busy today than we were 50 years ago as humans. Yet we have more time-saving, labor-saving devices. How many know that does not make sense? We should be doing less work, resting more, enjoying God more, enjoying each other more, but yet we're moving so quick. Why? Because if the devil can't get you to sin, he'll make you busy we're we're more busy than we've ever been in modern life and and most americans especially compared to the rest of the world we take so many less vacations than the rest of the world the average uh person in in like europe and other countries like that they take six weeks to eight weeks of vacation a year most americans don't even take the two weeks they have because we're over busy we're overworked and we can't stop that's a problem And I think it's not a coincidence that also Americans are some of the most unhealthy people in the world. Why? Because we don't stop. We don't take a break. We don't rest. Smartphones have changed the way we do things. It's lowered our IQ and it's lowered our attention span. Now hear this quote. The average person touches their phone 2,617 times a day. The average person spends six to seven hours a day on their phone it's supposed to be saving you time but it's actually wasting your time so this is the pace of modern life now I'm going to get to a good place (laughs) because you guys still aren't breathing in here on how do we fix this but I wanted to tell you a few things on how we got here Used to be a sign of wealth was a certain house, a certain car. But in the modern world, a sign of wealth is busyness. The busier you are, the more wealthy you are. And now we're not keeping up with the Joneses. We're keeping up with the Kardashians. And we got to constantly keep up with the pace of everyone else. But the pace is not sustainable. Side note when we look up to all these different people we see that we think has everything, and we think, man, they get to do everything, they get to have everything, they get to experience everything, why don't you look at how their life really is? Because you don't just have everything without there being something that is taking the cost of that. But all of us are full f- uh, fooled when we when we look on social media or we look on the internet and we 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 look on the news and we see all these people they're like man they have everything they do everything i have to keep up with that i have to watch that show that just came out i have to listen to this album i have to have this outfit i have to go here i have to experience this and we're all competing with each other trying to keep up with each other and that revs up the speed of our life And we can't slow down and we can't stop not actually looking at the people that so-called have these things at their actual life. Because they might have a an outward beauty or an outward facade that looks like it's something, but how many know they show the best and they hide the rest? Look at their personal lives, look at their relationships with their husband or wife, look at their relationship with their kids, look at their spiritual and emotional health. That's what really matters. And people that look that way on the outside, trust me, inwardly, they're emotionally hurting. They're mentally suffering. Their relationships with the people that are closest around them are not good, yet we're looking at them like, i got to keep up with them. No, you don't, because they're running that fast. Other things in their life are having to be the cost, the the sacrifice because of them running that fast. we got to look at others lives we don't need to be keeping up with anybody but our relationship with God okay we're going to get to the best part of this here because I'm not going to leave you hanging with the problem and the symptoms so this is what we need to look at and let's look at Matthew 11 Matthew 11 this is Jesus speaking Could we pull it up in the the New King James first? Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's look at it in the message translation. It says, are you tired, worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Notice this. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforth rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So, I want to talk about this for a second because Jesus says in the gospels, and he's not just talking to them there, you know, 2,000 years ago. He's talking to us today. And this is what he tells his disciples and the people around him. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? And and everybody says, yeah, we are. And the modern people, that's the the thing I hear the most. I'm tired and I'm busy. I'm exhausted and I'm worn out. I'm I'm overworked and, and I'm just... I can't do it anymore. That's, that's what everyone says. So guess what they need to do? They need to look to Jesus because Jesus has answers for people that are hurried and overworked and too busy. And what does he say? He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, that, that are overworked and are busy and are hurried. And I will give you rest and you will find rest for your souls. He says, but take my yoke upon you or my teaching or my way of life upon you and you will find that it is light and easy. Amen. Amen. So, so why am I sharing that today? Because if we want to live like Jesus lived, which is the answer to hurry and busyness and exhaustion and overwork, we have to do the things that Jesus did. We have to let Jesus be our example. Notice he says, if you want to find rest for your souls, you have to take my ways of doing things on you. You have to take my yoke, my teaching. You have to take my lifestyle if you want my life. All of us as Christians want Jesus' lifestyle, but if you want his lifestyle, you got to live the life he lived. All of us would say, man, I want to live like Jesus. I want to have the peace he had. And I want to have the faith he had. And and I want to have the joy that he had. Come on, I'm preaching this morning. And I want to have the power he had. But you can't get the, the life of Jesus without living the lifestyle of Jesus. And how many know the lifestyle of Jesus is not an American lifestyle? It's not hurried, it's not busy, it's not overworked, it's not exhausted, it's not burned out. It's a completely different way to live. But if you want rest for your souls, you're going to have to live like he lived. Take his yoke, take his burden, take his thing, and it will be light and easy. Real honest question, you don't have to answer it out loud. But guess what, if your life does not feel light and easy you're not carrying something that Jesus has. You're carrying something that you made yourself. If, you're, if your life is a hard burden and you're overworked and you're, you're, you're hurried and you're busy and you're always complaining and you're like, I'm exhausted, I'm worn out, I'm burned out, you're carrying something that you created or the enemy created, but you're not carrying something that Jesus created for you to have. Because if you want rest for your souls and if you want a light and easy life, you have to do it the way that Jesus did it. Which is the opposite of American modern life in so many ways. Now now, now hear me here. When, when I say that Jesus lived a life of rest and it was light and easy, that doesn't mean that Jesus was lazy. Do you realize that Jesus accomplished more in three years Than all of us do in a lifetime. Yet Jesus was never rushed. He was never in a hurry. He was always on time. Why? Because he was walking with God. He was walking at the pace of grace. He was walking with God. He wasn't walking ahead of his father, and he wasn't walking behind his father. He was walking with his father. And and when you do that, you don't have to be worried. You don't have to be stressed. You don't have to be exhausted. You don't have to be burned out. When you're walking with God, you can accomplish more at that pace than you can at your own pace. Come on now, somebody. Are you in the house today? We have to do what Jesus did to see the results that Jesus had. If we want the the life of Jesus, we have to live the same lifestyle that Jesus has. So, Jesus' lifestyle was one of peace and joy. Not rushed, not in a hurry, not irritated, not overworked. He was with people all the time, ministering to people. But he kept the pace of grace, the pace of his father. He walked with God and accomplished more in three years than all of us do in a lifetime. Now, how could he do that? It's only three years. Why? Because he was doing it with God. He was doing it with his father. So I'm going to give you three things to take away today from the life of Jesus to practice in your own life that will help you with this hurry. Why? Because we said if we want the life of Jesus, we have to live the lifestyle of Jesus. We, we're saying, hey, man, I want rest for my soul. I want to live in this place of being light and easy. I want to walk like Jesus walked at the pace of grace with his father and accomplish what he has for me. But I don't want to do it to the point I'm, I'm burned out and overworked. Well, you're going to have to do what Jesus did. So I have three things for us to practice, which we all need this. I'll say amen for you that you do need this as your pastor because I need these things that you see in the life of Jesus. But we can start to put in our own life to start unhurrying our life, to start uh, stepping back and getting the rest that we need. The first thing is the first practice we want to talk about that Jesus practiced in his life is he was present. Jesus was not in his past, and Jesus was not in his future. He was present. Now, how many of you know that most of us don't actually live present? We don't. We're either living in our past, which, which that makes us depressed, or we're living in our, our future, which makes us anxious. But we're not living in our present, because if we lived in the present, we would have peace. But this is something that Jesus embodied when he was on the earth. When Jesus was there with people, he was present. When he was with his disciples, he was not on the cross. He was present. When he was healing the the sick people and the the demonically possessed and delivering them, he was present with them. When someone interrupted him and said, can you come pray for my daughter? And he did. He was present with them. He wasn't thinking about his next crusade. When he was eating meals with his friends like Lazarus, the Mary, and Martha, he was present with them. Jesus was present with them. And if we're going to live the same way that Jesus did, we're going to have to be present. And that's hard. It's hard to live this way. That's why we have to intentionally practice it. We have to be present. And that's something I have struggled with my whole life. Because I am an impatient person. And I want to be 10 years out in the future. I, I want to be so much further than I am right now. And I'm always thinking about what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? You know, what, would, what is it going to be like in 5 years, and 10 years, and 20 years? And you miss the present, what's happening now. And when you always keep thinking about your future, which is good to play in, it's good to have a vision, but it produces anxiety in your life. Or if you always think about your past, all, all the things. Well, I remember the good old days, and I remember this. Or, you th- or even worse, you're thinking about, man, I remember the hurts, and I remember the trauma, and I remember the pain. You will be depressed. We don't need to live in our past or in our future. We need to live in our present. And that's something that Jesus did, but that will help you stop being so busy and hurried if you live in the present. Another way to say it, a slang way to say it is be where your feet are. Right now, where's your feet at? They're at church. So guess what? Don't be at five guys eating burgers and fries right now because your feet are here. Tacos for you. Okay, that's your vice. Burgers are my vice. If you're at home with your family, be where your feet are. Don't be at work. Don't be filling out emails in your head. Be where your feet are. Be present. Wherever you are, be present. Because why? God wants to do something in your present. He's wanting to move now in your present. But if you're always thinking about your past or your future, God can't do something right now. That's something that Jesus practiced, but that's something we have to practice. To be present and I know it's really hard for all of us in here to do that but we've got to practice that and by practicing that we will start to slow down and the hurry and busyness will get out of our lives but we have to be present I got a great verse for this I found this last night Matthew 6 this is Jesus speaking 33 and 34 in the message I love this it says steep your life in God reality God initiative God provisions don't worry about missing out Or you could say keeping up with everybody. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your attention to what God is doing right now. Be present. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Got to be present. Other translations of that verse says, uh, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Why? Because Jesus was saying, you got to be present with what God is doing right here right now. Be present. The next thing I want to share is to choose focus over distractions. Focus over distractions. We live in a world with endless opportunities, which endless opportunities mean endless distractions. But we have to know what we're called to do we have to know what we're uniquely designed to do and realize that we have limitations we cannot do everything we cannot be everywhere so we have to decide to choose focus over distractions now now when I say that I'm meaning that we have to be able to put some boundaries in our life I know it's a it's a, it's a different idea and some of you have never heard this word boundaries I didn't until I started reading this. I've never had a boundary my whole life. Boundaries means that you might have to say no. Try this again. You might have to say no to some things in your life. Why? So you can do the things you're called to do. You might have to say no to some opportunities. Why? So you can say yes to some other opportunities. You might have to say no to certain things so you can say yes to being involved in your church. Boundaries, limitations. And I, I, know, I know it's hard to talk about that because people want to, I want to be free, I want to do whatever, but you'll burn out. You got to have boundaries. And Jesus had boundaries in his life. Now, we always want to act like Jesus said yes to everybody, but he didn't. There were times in the gospels that said, no, I can't come to your house today. No, I can't do that. There's a time he said, no, I'm not called to do that. If Jesus needed boundaries in his life, you definitely need boundaries in your life. And Jesus was love in the flesh. And I know some of you think that that, that being loving is saying yes to everyone and letting everyone walk all over you and, and you trying to do everything to the point of exhaustion to you or burnout and you're sick and you're tired and you're hurried for the sake of everyone else. But no, You have to have some boundaries in your life. And if we don't choose focus over distraction, we will not live the life and the lifestyle of Jesus. We have to choose what we should be doing, what we are called to do, what are things in your life that only you can do. And say yes to those things. Because I can't say yes to everything. I have to say yes to certain things we have to do that now in my life there's certain things that only i can do only i can be natalie's dad i'm not giving that responsibility to anybody else or we'll fight there's one reason i go to the gym at this point in my life it's not for looks so i can handle whoever comes around my daughter the rest of her life it has nothing to do with looks I just need to know I can handle myself in a fight with someone else. Yes, your pastor just said that. But there's only, there's only certain things that I can do in life. And guess what? I'm going to have to say no to other things so I can say yes to being her dad. Or I'm not going to be a good dad. I'm not married to everybody. I'm married to Morgan. So guess what? I have to say yes to that, but I might have to say no to some other things in my life. I'm called to be the pastor of this church. That means I have to say yes to this. I have to say no to other things. I make it a priority to be around you people because you're my church family. That means I have to say no to some other things so I can say yes to this. You guys have to do the same thing if we're going to live an unhurried life and live like Jesus lived. And I know some of you are not used to this talk because you've lived with no boundaries. You've let everyone walk all over you, your friends, your family, your your, uh, coworkers, your boss, everyone. But it's not healthy and it's not sustainable. You don't need to be mean about it. You, need to be, you don't need to be rude about it. But if you've heard from God and you know what you're called to do, you have to say no sometimes. Why? So you can say yes to something more important. You know, if most of you in here, if you guys ask me to dinner, you know what I'm going to say? No. It's not because I don't like you guys. I love you. But every night I need to be with my daughter. Oh, y'all don't like kids around here? That was the quietest. Amen. Because her homework right now at 11 years old, her doing it with me, is more important than dinner with you. It is. I'm sorry. I love you. But I have to say no to you to say yes to her. Me taking her to dance twice a week to watch her do Irish dance and be the dance dad of the year. I have to say no to dinner with you so I can say yes to that. Why? Because she's only going to be 11 for this amount of time. I'm just using my daughter as an example, but you guys have all sorts of things in your life that you know that God, that's what you're called to do, what you need to do. But if you're going to do it right and you're going to do it well, you're going to have to say no to other stuff. Listen to me, dads. If your kids are young, now is not your time to go to the bar and watch the game every Friday. It's not about you. It's not. It's not. And I don't care, I care who you are. We all have examples in our life that we got, have to realize. What am I called to do? And what am I supposed to do? And what am I only, only I can do this. And I have to say yes to that. But to do that, I got to say no to other things. Because there's so many distractions. If I'm going to be a dad, if I'm going to be a husband, if I'm going to be a good pastor, if I'm going to be a good friend to people in this church, I have to focus and not be distracted by the endless distractions in the world. And if I don't, I'm going to live an over-busy, over-hurried life because I'm trying to say yes to this and yes to this and yes to this. I did that once in my life. didn't work. didn't work. We have to choose focus over distractions. There's endless distractions. Look at this verse, 1 Corinthians 7, 35. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Paul's telling this church, man, I mean, you're going to have endless distractions, endless opportunities, but you have to get to the place that you serve the Lord without distraction. you got to focus. If you want a good relationship with God, you got to focus. If you want a good marriage, you got to focus. If you want to be a good parent to your kids, you got to focus. If you want to do what God has called you to do, you got to focus because you can't do everything. You can't. And if you try to, you'll burn out. You'll live this unhurried, busy life. You'll hurt yourself spiritually, physically, emotionally. you got to live focused. On what you're called to do. I kind of see it as this. Paul says in Corinthians. When I was a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man. I put away childish things. I don't care if you're a male or female in the here. Some of you need that verse. You need to stop being a kid. In the way you think about boundaries. And you need to focus on what God's called you to do. And certain things in your life at this age. Are childish. Be a husband be a wife, be a parent be involved in your church do things that will help you spiritually and mentally and emotionally and physically stop playing with childish stuff, making excuses that I need to be involved in everything and I don't want to miss out what are you missing out on? heartache, pain dysfunction everybody else who's burning out and has to be medicated to deal with life when you become Mature in God, you put away childish things. And you focus. I live a very focused life at 36. Some people would say it's boring. They would. It's not boring to me, but people would say it was boring because I ain't out doing stuff all the time with everybody. Why? Because I care about being a good dad. And I care about being a good pastor. And I care about being a good husband. But if it's true for me, it's true for all of you in here. Are you guys with me? Because you look like you're going to throw tomatoes at me. <laughs> we got to focus. The Bible says, Attend upon the Lord without distraction. La- last thing I want to share. Brother Darrell, you could come play. We have to choose quiet over noise. These are the things that Jesus did. He was present. He chose focus over distractions. He chose quiet over noise Now with this message This is just a starting place On what we're going In this rest of the series about rest Because I'm just trying to get you To slow down this week Next week we'll talk even further About really actually stopping Actually resting But I need to get you to Just start slowing down By doing these things To stop living so hurried And in a busy, busy life Overworked Burnout We've got to choose quiet over noise Jesus so many times in the gospel said When He would come out of a big Crusade or he would spend time With his disciples it said Jesus would go To a quiet place Jesus said I got to get away to rest Sometimes Jesus went into the desert Sometimes he went To the mountains Sometimes it says he walked by the sea. But many, many times, read the Gospels. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, said, I need to get in a quiet, still place of rest. Now, how many know if Jesus needed to do that? You need to do that. I'm thinking, who do we think we are? If God in the flesh said, I need to get quiet and I need to take breaks, and I need to rest, and I need to live unhurried, and we act like that we can do it. Like we're some superhuman. If Jesus needed this in His earthly walk, we need this. we got to choose quiet over noise. Stillness over hurry. If Jesus needed it, we need it. So that that's what it means to me that we need to intentionally choose times in our day and in our week that we shut it off. We shut off the TV, we shut off the phone, we turn off the radio, we get quiet, we get still. Because if you don't, you will never be able to hear God. You will never be able to be spiritually strong. You'll never be able to even see how your own soul is doing if we don't slow down enough to get quiet and hear God speak to us. Most of us can't hear God, not because he's not talking, but everything is too loud. We're running too fast, and we got to slow down. I love this verse, and it's a very familiar verse, but Psalm 4610. Psalm 4610, if we could pull it up. It says, be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth, but be still and know that I am God. It's implying there if you don't get still and you don't get quiet, you probably start thinking that you're God, that you can handle it, that you can do it, and you can't. We have to get still, we have to get quiet. Why to hear God's voice? To be able to get grow in our relationship with Him. And Jesus practiced this all throughout his earthly ministry. Jesus went to a quiet place. Jesus went to a restful place. Jesus went away from the crowds. Jesus went away from his disciples. Why? To connect with his Father in heaven. And we need that too. You guys need that every day. You need it every week. Wherever that place is for you, you need to find a place where you can get still and you can get quiet. And trust me, if you've been running as fast as I run, when you first do it, it's going to be hard to turn everything off, to get quiet, to get still. It's going to be hard. That's why you got to practice it. And the more you do it, the more God will speak to you, the more your soul will be at rest, the more you will grow spiritually, and God will speak to you. But you got to start I know we jokingly talk about Charlestown State Park in this church because I go there all the time. But y'all know why I go there? Because it's quiet. I go to the park because it's quiet and it's still. And I realized about four or five years ago, I need places like that that I can be quiet and still before God. Because if I don't, I'll never be able to really hear Him. I won't even give myself enough time to slow down to see how I'm actually doing. I need to go to a quiet place for God to speak. But I need that every day. So do you. And that place could be a park for you, could be your closet, it could be your car. But all of us in here, and I know you have kids and you have responsibilities at work, but we all need to take time every day. Every week, every month, to put stillness and quietness in our life so God can speak to us, so we can hear Him, so we can slow ourselves down, so we can rest in Him. Last verse I want to share with you and I'll close. Appreciate you being here today and listen to me. Luke 10 and verse 38. This is a story about Jesus and Mary and Martha. And notice what it says. Now, while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But listen what it says about Martha. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all her serving responsibilities. She approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Tell her to help me and to do her part. But the Lord replied to her, Mary, or Martha, Martha, notice this, you're worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage, which will not be taken away from her. Notice in this story, Jesus talks to these two sisters and he says, Martha, because she was the one, could not stop running around, living at the pace of the modern world. And it says she was busy and distracted. But then Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, quiet and still, And he said, Martha, Martha, why are you worried and bothered about many things? Why? Because being busy and distracted, the symptoms of it is you're going to be worried and bothered and troubled about a lot of stuff. And she said, Mary, who's been still and quiet here, listening to Jesus, listening to God, listening to the word. She said that Mary has chosen the good part and that will not be taken away from her because she chose to get still before God to get quiet before God and to hear his voice but notice Martha, Martha who was serving and she was doing all these things for God Jesus said, now I appreciate it but Mary's chosen the, the best part which is to actually be with me to hear me to get still, to get quiet and to have a relationship with me. And it's the same thing with you guys today. I feel like when I read that verse this week that it pertained to me but I think it pertains to a lot of you in here. God's saying to you you're busy and distracted by so many things. You're troubled and worried about so many things but you need to be like Mary, not Martha and choose the good part which is to sit at the feet of Jesus, still and quiet before him. Let him change you. Watch your soul come back to a place of rest and refreshing when you sit quiet before him in his presence. Did you guys get anything today? Could you stand up with me? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just lift our hands if you feel comfortable? Father, we just love you today. We thank you today For this time in your house We thank you for challenging us with your word We thank you Father That You're moving in this church You're moving in our life And Father we just make a commitment to you right now Because I know I'm convicted as The pastor of this church but the rest of us I know God you're trying to speak to us God help us to hear your voice Through these messages Father we ask you right now That you would help us to see the areas in our life that we need to change, the areas we need to grow in. And we commit to you right now as a church family to slow down, to, to stop living this overhurried, over busy, overworked life. That we would prioritize the right things and the main things that we're called to do in life. Father, that we'd put healthy boundaries in our life, that we could focus in on you and the things that matter. Father, we ask right now that as a church family, we would grow in learning how to rest our bodies, learning how to rest our mind, our will, and our emotions, learning how to rest our spirit, that we would do things that would bring refreshing and life to us, Father. And I pray, Father, that you'd speak to us. If we start running too quick and moving too quick and we're going to a place that could hurt us, Father, speak to us. Help us. Give us a conviction and a, a calling and a leading that we are that we need to slow down, that we need to change, that we need to stop. And we, we make a commitment we're going to listen to your voice. And if you tell us to rest, we're going to rest. If you tell us to stop something and, and change it, we will stop and change it. Father, we're going to hear your voice clearly. We make that commitment today. Did anybody agree with that this morning? We make that commitment today. And Father, help me as the pastor of this church to live this way, to make the changes necessary in my life, that we would live the life and have the lifestyle of Jesus, a lifestyle of peace and joy, provision. Father, that we would find rest for our souls, that what we carry every day would be light and easy. It would be refreshing to carry. Why? Because we're walking with you not behind you and not ahead of you, but walking with you at your pace, at the pace of grace, because we're following you. We thank you, Father, for it. Thank you, Father, for it. And I pray right now, I feel this specifically for several people in here. Maybe you've done some damage to your mind, your will, your emotions. You've done some damage to your body because you lived that way for too long. Father, I pray right now that you're restoring healing to their bodies. Maybe the years they did push their body too far and they're, they're suffering right now in their body. Father, we pray for divine healing, divine restoration to their body. That you're going to restore things that they thought they lost in their physical health. And Father, we pray right now for those of us who have pushed our mental and emotional health. I pray peace for their mind. I pray, pray restoration for their mind. I, I, I bind any anxiety and depression to come off their mind. And for their mind, their will and emotions to be sound again that they would be in a place of rest. We thank you that that they have a sound mind, that they have a calm and well balanced mind. The Father, that the years that they maybe put damage on themselves, Father, that you're restoring them. You're restoring them. You're restoring them. Father, we thank you for restoration for bodies, for minds this morning. For people that haven't rested. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you Father. Thank you, Father. We love you today. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.